Peace Africans, I'm Erica, an editor at Hood Communist. I want to welcome you to Hood Communist Political Education. Twice a month, editors of the blog get together on our Telegram channel and hold discussions based on articles we publish or current events with our readers and subscribers. Because Hood Communist encourages mass organizing and political education, we've decided to share these recorded sessions with you and anybody trying to listen. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you learn something. And I hope that what you learn encourages you to join an organization fighting for the liberation of our people. With all that said, let's get into it. All right, I'm really excited about tonight. I see Jamima is here, so that's great. So we can start. Um, my name is Erica or Ricky. I am a co-editor of Hood Communist. I'm also a member of Black Alliance for Peace, as well as Yujima People's Progress Party. I'm going to let my co-editors introduce themselves. Greetings, everybody. Ajamu, um, All African People's Revolutionary Party and Hood Communist. This is Onya Sanru, also with the All African People's Revolutionary Party and the All African Women's Revolutionary Union and Hood Communist. Peace, it's Salifu uh, with the Black Alliance for Peace, the African People's Revolutionary Party, and the Low Country Action Committee. All right, so as I noted earlier, Jimmy Pierre is in here. I'm very excited. Um, not only is Shamima a comrade in bat with myself, um, but uh, she's also a contributor to Black Agenda Report. She is the coordinator of the Haiti and the Americas team on BAP, um, and she's also a Black Studies and Anthropology professor at UCLA. Shabima, if you want to fill in the blanks of anything else that I left. Thank you so much, you all, for um, having me. Um, I'm happy to be here and in your presence and company and um, looking forward to the conversation. All right, so um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and get started. Um, so 2021 has been quite the year for Haiti. Um, so I wanted to know, Chamima, if you can just sort of give a brief on overview of just what the conditions are, what's been happening in Haiti um, from Biden until uh, where we're at right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been something in terms of um you know, we had so from from by this year alone there was the assass there was protests, you know, cons consistent protests uh against uh the uh Moise government uh which was because the Moise government of course um back then which was US imposed on the Haitian people um extended his mandate its mandate past the the time and then soon after you had the assassination of Moise, not soon after, but about a few months later on, in July. And then right after that, we had the earthquake in the Southern part of Haiti. Um, um, and, and then um, now there's just, uh, you know, lack of fuel, a lot of strikes um, and, uh, and the, the rise of gang, um, the rise of gang, uh, violence, but really um, uh, kidnappings, which have been ongoing under the Moise administration. But now that, you know, they've kidnapped 17 white missionaries, it's become news. So there's that. And the cities, uh, the country's really gripped by a, a gas shortage, which is really fueling all kinds of other things. And then there's still the threat of invasion by the U.S. government. At the same time that the U.S. government, of course, um, is uh, is holding up is backing this puppet government that they put in place, which is um, the government which was implicated actually in the assassination of Jovenel Moise. So there's all of that, and of course, then you have with Biden. Um, what when people really became aware again of Haiti is with the with the migrants at the border, the Texas Mexico border. Um, 
Um, and that has been really terrible um, uh, in addition to everything else going on in Haiti. As of yesterday, yesterday there was another deportation flight um, of, of, of Haitian migrants. It was the seventh, 79th deportation flight since September, since September 19th, when this first broke news. Um, so, so in the span from September 19th until November 4th, um, the Biden administration has deported 10,831 people to Haiti. Um, almost 50% of them are women and children. Um, so there's that. And then um, from Biden's inauguration from early January, uh, the Biden administration has deported um, 11,000 people in general. So, you know, they were deporting small amounts, small amounts, but then the past uh, six weeks, they deported 10,000 people or 11,000, almost 11,000 people. So that's what we are. You did talk about the threat of U.S. invasions. And yesterday uh, we did a read along of the article that you and Peter Hudson wrote on intervention and occupation in Haiti. So I wanted to know if you can probably just go through the history of interventions on Haiti um, and why it's so significant and maybe even uh, talk about the UN specifically. Yes, so you 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 have to know, um, you know, the first thing is to say that, you know, there's been a counter revolution against Haiti since 1804. Um, because uh, the Haitian, I'm sorry if it's so loud, we have the ghetto birds, the um, LA, <laughs> LAPD just flying around our neighborhood. So sometimes it can get really loud in the afternoon. But um, um, so we have to know that since 1804, you have, you know, the, the, this fight against Haitian sovereignty because Haiti dared destroy white supremacy and the political economic order that was of this emergent Western-led capitalism. So there's always been a, a, a way that Haiti has really been in, um, in, in the, in, you know, in the, what, you, what would you call that? Haiti has always been a problem for white supremacy and white supremacist states. Um, and there've been, you know, threats of intervention. The U.S. did not recognize Haiti till right after it ended slavery in 1865 right before it ended slavery in, in the early 19, 1860s. But the first real intervention really began with um, the U.S. coming and taking control of, of, of Haiti's bank, the Citibank. And I have to uh, push here um, the, the really wonderful book written by um, our, our BAP uh, member, as well as my partner, Peter Hudson, called um, Bankers and Empire, How Wall Street Colonized the Caribbean, which talks about how it is actually it was the Citibank of New York uh, and the U.S. government, and um, that really led the first intervention in Haiti, which was in 1915, um, um, where there was an assassination of a Haitian president, which also happened in July, um, July to 1915, and the U.S. government basically used that as an opportunity to send in the Marines and occupy Haiti, supposedly really to protect, um, to say that to protect, um, um, to, to keep Haiti from going to chaos, which is still the same language that we're hearing now, but really to protect U.S. interests um, in Haiti. And the year before that, the U.S. had already stolen $500,000 worth of gold from Haiti's bank in the brazen attack where the Marines came in, loaded all the gold into these boxes, put them on the ship and ran out before the Haitian government found out. So, so this was a way for them to control completely Haiti. So they, they occupied Haiti from 1915 to 1934. And during that time is where they changed the Haitian constitution. Before that, um, Haitian constitution said no um, no foreigner could own land in Haiti. They changed that um, and to open it up for foreigners to own land. Um, they, they initiated forced labor to build roads and, and so on. Um, and even the, the resistance, the Kako rebellion uh, was put down. This Haiti was the first place where the US military dropped bombs on villages um, and burned villages and murdered and murdered the peasants who were revolting against forced labor and, la and, and loss of land um, and sovereignty. So, so we have that, and they did not leave until 1934. But by the time they left, 
they, they're the ones that actually constructed the Haitian army, the gendarmerie, as we would call them. So this, the Haitian army has this long legacy of being imposed and, and trained by, by the U.S. and other Western allies. Um, and so then the U.S. really continued to intervene, um, supported the, the brutal dictator, um, baby dog Duvalier, who was in power for almost 30 years. And then um, by 1991, where the first uh, democratically elected president of Haiti, Jean-Bertrand Aristide, um, you know, groundswell of support. And the first time you had such a, a large turnout and also people, you know, this he's, he was a, a, the man of the people, of the little people. And they came out and, and within nine months of his first term, the CIA bankrolled the coup d'etat. Um, um, Bill Clinton actually brought him back, but with U.S. troops, and they brought him back in 1994 because Haitian migrants were being terror, um, uh, RSD supporters and Haitians being terrorized by the uh, by the coup plotters in Haiti. So um, Clinton, you know, worried about his elections, um, brought um, uh, RSD back. Um, but then by then it was, you know, the the terms of of the return were already um, really terrible for Haiti. So the second occupation, which I'm saying is ongoing, um, and please stop me if you all have questions and I'm just talking, but the second occupation, which began in 2004, when um, Canada, France, and the US um, plotted the, the, the winter before to remove Aristide from Haiti. And so you have the Marines land um, in the residence, they, they land in the airport, they drive with the U.S. Uh, ambassador to Haiti, they drive to Aristide's house and they tell him he needs to leave right then and there. And then they took him and basically flew him to Central African Republic um, to put him in exile. And then this occupation, this is the important part, was cleaned up and sanctioned by the United Nations UN Security Council, which had which the U.S. and France had helped vote before when when the the ragtag um, paramilitary troops were advancing on the Haitian capital, you know, killing people and so on and so forth, and and these military paramilitaries were funded by the CIA and trained by the Dominican Republic. When they were coming on, um, the Haitian government requested that the UN send support, and the U.S. and Canada and the U.S. and France denied that at the U.S. Security Council level. But as soon as the RSC was flown out, the U.S. Security Council voted that same day to actually send a stabilization, stabilization um, group of, of military, a Chapter 7. And we can talk about the difference between Chapter 6 and Chapter 7, um, a peacekeeping occupation. So the UN then has always has, you know, so the UN basically sanctioned the US-led coup d'etat and took over Haiti. And they've been um, occupying Haiti since 2004. Their mission has changed, the numbers have dropped, but you know, it is the the the, the UN office now, which which also runs the core group, um, is really what uh, what's controlling Haiti right now. So I'll stop there if you have any more questions and so on. Yeah, well, my, my next question was going to be because you you outlined it so well in the article. And I do want to say I feel like uh, Black Alliance for Peace uh, under the Haiti and the Americas Committee has done such a good job at elevating the core group as a primary issue in Haiti. But I do want to ask, like, what is the core group and what role does it currently play in Haiti? <laughs> yes. So yeah, you're absolutely right. First, uh, Erica, I, I think if it wasn't for the Black Alliance for Peace talking about the core group all the time, no one would. Now everybody's talking about the core group, which I think is a very important thing. So the core group was first convened um, um, in 2004, right after, right when the peace, so-called, I don't call them peacekeepers, so I, I call them occupation forces. Um, the multinational occupation forces landed in Haiti um, in June 2004. Um, and so they decided it was a self-style council of these people who participated in the occupation of Haiti from, so I have to say, right, when once the U.S. government took Aristide and his family, put him on a plane, and Condoleezza Rice, um, at first they, they, they flew to... Um, to the Caribbean, I forgot which country. I think Guyana. They left them on the uh, on on the on the tarmac. P.J. Patterson, who was the prime minister of of um, of Jamaica, offered Aristide asylum, and Condoleezza Rice condemned him for that and and threatened um, to put give Jamaica sanctions, threaten any country in the Western Hemisphere with sanctions 
if they took an RSD. So <laughs> that's important. And then the US, the US troops really ruled Haiti from March until June 1st, when they were then replaced by UN troops um, in Haiti. So the core group then created itself. Um, its membership, you know, um, is Brazil, and 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 I'm gonna come back to Brazil in a second. Is Brazil, Canada, France, Germany, Spain, the European Union, um, the Organization of American States, and the UN and the US. So all of these countries and entities each have a representative in the core group. Um, the core group has never had a Haitian representative. It meets without Haitian, represent, Haitian representation. And when you look at, if you could look pictures of core group, even on Twitter or anywhere else, as you can see it's an all white formation and they meet all the time and they make, it's like, it's our, it's Haiti's overlords, right? They're Haiti's overlords and they make decisions for Haiti, they release, you know, they decide who prime who the prime minister is. They they release press releases all the time. And so they were set up, you know, they said they were set up to coordinate the various branches um, and elements of the United States occupation, which was called MINISTA, the French acronym. And they play a very active role um, in intervening in Haiti's everyday politics. Um, and so Part of it is like there's no turn limit to the core group. The core group is not an elected group. It's a self-chosen group. Um, but they actually have a lot of say in who becomes prime minister, who, you know, whether or not they support one governor or another, one president or another, or any other thing. Everything that comes through Haiti is coordinated through the core group, um, which has members of the U.S., uh, OAS, um, and so on. So it's really a, a, an example of neocolonialism in Haiti because they act as neocolonial trustees of the Haitian government and they've completely undermined um, Haiti's sovereignty and autonomy. So Jamima, I wanna give you just a little break because <laughs> I wanna raise okay. some questions um, to the chat and also to my co-editors because I think that you, you gave a lot um, even in your overview for us to think about um, but I know in discussing Haiti, there's a few things that come that come up often, especially when we talk about our responsibility here within the U.S. as Africans to defend Haiti. Uh, you know, there's a fraction of Africans within the U.S. who don't particularly identify as Africans, but they would always point to, well, this is France's problem. They would often say things like. Um, you know, uh, the revolution had nothing to do with the U.S. and the revolution is the cause of, of with Haiti. And then also there's this other particular um, not, uh, language behind Haiti being cursed, right? So it's so Haiti is innately in, these, in this bad place, so there's nothing that we could do about it. So I just want to raise that question, like, why should we be discussing Haiti? So... Uh, if you want to raise your hand in the chat and respond, or and my co-editors, if you want to take a stab at that as well. I was trying to find the hand raise function, but I couldn't find it. But if it's cool, I, I guess I can throw something in. Um, so one, I think just to sum up in response to this group of people that we're talking about, people are gonna have to get over it. You're an African. Like I I don't know, I don't know a nicer way to tell people that at this point, you're 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 an African. Like you you're just gonna have to get over it. I'm sorry if you don't want to be one, but you are. And so right now let's start with acceptance and then we can move into other phases uh later. Um and so once you accept that you are an African then the issues of all Africans impact you because accepting that you are an African isn't just like an aesthetic or cultural choice. It's, it's a political understanding that your, your future, your salvation is tied with that of all Africans around the world and tied directly to your homeland, which is Africa. Um, but I think one of the reasons why it's important for us to be discussing out to be discussing Haiti is because I think with the with the history that um that Jamima laid out, laid out just now and with the histories that we that we understand um Haiti is an example of what a what a fight for African self-determination 
it, it is it is an example, right? Like the first example, but it also is an example of all the measures and the extreme lengths that Empire will go to 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 stunt um to stunt the development of such a project for self-determination. So I think that anywhere where serious Africans, whether they call themselves African Americans or blacks or whatever negroes whatever people are into since they don't want to be africans um everybody thinks that they are i think ultimately moving towards some form of power whether that be within inside the democratic party or um trying to be trying to get representation and be seen whatever your whatever your fight is i think you have to at least at the bare minimum be looking to and accounting for what is being done to Haiti as an example of what happens if you even become remotely successful um, in your attempt to acquire whatever your version um, of power looks like. Yeah, I just wanted to add quickly, I just want to say thank you to everyone. I mean, this is great, um, sister, uh, comrade, rather, Jamila, thank you. This is wonderful analysis. And just to add quickly, like, I think if if folks want to understand Haiti like in another way, like just think of it like this. Um, you can't think of any example of any people who have stood up against imperialism that haven't suffered the wrath of imperialism consistently after they decided to stand up and while they're standing up. Whether you talk about Haiti since 1804 or the Cuban Revolution or Asata Shakur escaping the plantation and going to Cuba, anything like that. Like they're never, imperialism, they never say, you know what, you got us this time. You know, we, we will go ahead and let that go. They never do that. They will forever make every effort to sabotage and destroy your existence. And when I say imperialism, you know, of course I'm talking about all of the imperialist countries, uh, all of the capitalist countries, all of the countries in Europe, Canada, uh, Zionist Israel, Australia, and of course, you know, the ringleader is the United Snakes of America. Does anyone else have anything they want to add? If you do, you know, as always, you can raise your hand and then uh, come off mute. I just want to say quickly, like, I really appreciate Jamima raising the point of how Haiti is constantly being described in the U.S. media, at the highest echelons of, you know, political power in the U.S. as being on the brink of chaos, of just like, just constantly in the, on the brink of just like falling into destruction that's going to suck the United States into it and like something has to be done. Like that's always how they describe it. And it's never, also like it having been like a lost cause, like the, the Africans in Haiti just can't get it together. They need constant charity and guidance because they just, they're not capable of forming a functioning society. That's like the narrative. But the reality is that it's not that Haiti can't get it together. It's that Haiti's constantly being attacked, exploited, undermined, government's being overthrown. They organize mass movements, elect the leaders they want. The U.S. doesn't like them, pushes them out. So it's just like, it's a, it's something that's being done to Haiti. It's not a situation um, that's intrinsic to the African people in Haiti. It's a situation that was deliberately created by imperialist powers to treat Haiti like their personal plantation. So just like that narrative of African people just being incapable of basic building a basic society or building basic civilization is like all up and through how Haiti is regarded um, in the Western world. And the other thing I wanna say is that the point that Haiti represents an example that imperialism cannot stand, that white supremacy cannot stand is extremely important to understand. Back when hood communists had a Twitter, the most one of the most controversial tweets we ever made was a statement just simply saying that every single person of African descent in the Western Hemisphere owes Haiti a debt. And the reason Ooh. why we said that, and the reason why we said that is because the Haitian Revolution, the overthrowing of the imperialist white supremacist order on that island, the opening up of their borders to all Africans in the hemisphere for liberation if they could make it. Like the example that Haiti represented like struck terror into the hearts of the so-called founding fathers of this empire. Like Haiti is an example they cannot allow to stand. Haiti opened up a whole new horizon of struggle for us as African people in this hemisphere. That's what that means. Can I add something to what only it just said? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So to that point about the debt, uh, obviously every time we use that word, I feel like people just came and sat down in our missions for days to tell us that they didn't owe Haiti shit. 
and all this type of stuff. Um, Cause you know, we are conditioned under capitalism so that whenever you say the words debt, people automatically start thinking that you were telling them to give Haiti $5. And that's not at all um, what we were implying. But one of the things that I encounter quite a lot in just day-to-day conversation is that thing that only pointed out is just that African people can't get it together. So what's happening in Haiti obviously is the, is the fault of Haitian people. And I've had people try to do all kinds of thought experiments and say, oh, we should be talking about internal corruption more. We should be talking about, you know, this king that did this thing to the people back then that set the stage for da 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 da, da. But one of the thing, one of the ways that we can be repaying the debt to Haiti is knocking the air out of conversations like that when people inside the core of the U.S. empire try to lead with those conversations. Nobody needs you. Nobody needs you as a person in the global north to analyze the history of struggle in Haiti to offer some wisdom to the Haitian people who have who've actually launched revolution before when as Jamima has so eloquently pointed out there is a contemporary struggle to be contended with that involves the core group that involves the U.S. that involves uh, France still to this day that involves Canada that involves all these players who are very much still alive and making decisions today. So I feel like one of the things that we need to be constantly on guard for in the in the global north is these people who want to lead with conversations that's like, well, let's have a nuanced conversation because, you know, it's not just external um, corruption. It's th- Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm also sure that people in Haiti can handle their affairs. Your job here is to keep the attention on your players, who are the people that are being, who are living lavish lifestyles and being propped up based on your tax dollars? People that y'all be on the internet saying vote blue no matter who, like all this shit. You have to keep that shit in check. I appreciate you raising that, um, only because Jamima was just on a panel where uh, they essentially uh, asked, "What about black on black crime in Haiti?" Um, so yeah, so I do agree that we do, I think it's important that we do confront those type of, that type of language and rhetoric. It's particularly why I brought up that, of, of curse land thing, because I, I do notice that people do try to evoke that voodoo is responsible, right? And I think that those type of things that we hear needs to be pushed back on and, and that this sort of space where we can where we can hear from people like Jamima about the not only the contemporary but the historical context of how Haiti and why Haiti is the it is what it is today what we're seeing um so yeah I also wanted to ask um to the to my co-editors or even in the chat and as always you can raise your hand so you can come off mute if you want to respond or answer or even if you reject some of the things that we're saying and, and want to, uh, you know, have a rebuttal because you disagree, please uh, feel free to do so. But I do want to ask, um, because when we talk about interventions, and, and as Jimmy laid out, um, a lot of that has to do with the idea of humanitarianism. And I just wanted to know if people, um, as they were listening, if they thought of any other examples of how humanitarianism is used to impose U.S. or even Western hegemony. I have some thoughts if uh, no one else no one else. I was just thinking about... Erica, can, can you hear me? Can y'all hear me? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Oni, sorry. I, I, I'll no, you, talk you can go ahead if, if you have thoughts. Go ahead, please. Oh, no, because I was trying to say before we went there, I wanted to just quickly say about Vodou is um, it is important for us to remember this, that Vodou has always been used as the way as, you know, the boogie man for Haiti. Um, if you think you, you, you all might be young, too young to remember The Serpent and the Rainbow, the, the movie about Vodou in Haiti. But one of the things that's so important, I, you know, I have this long article on 
the step-by-step -step move of the of the um, second occupation where WikiLeaks files show that the U.S. ambassador sent a, a secret cable to the Vatican um, right after the coup d'etat, right on March 5th, which is four days after the coup d'etat, to say that they've removed Aristide. And the Vatican's deputy foreign minister says, I have no regret of Aristide's departure because the, this priest is an active proponent of voodoo, end quote. This is March 2004, right? Um, and so, so part of that is really significant to think about the way that this discussion around like this like crazy African religion, but also it's linked to the violence, right, of, of, of what's happening in Haiti. So, for example, you know, the whole gang situation. And so they're trying to, for example, lie about Aristide, saying he's the one that started the gang. They're linking Aristide to Duvalier. So the propaganda around Haiti, which I can talk about later, because there's a way that the U.S. government and the CIA really shifted the conversation around Aristide so that you had even Haitians believing that he was this monster that was akin to Duvalier. And it's linked to Vaudou, him not being a real priest that, that they were saying. And it was just really, it's really important for us to keep in mind how it is that they use blackness and religion and so on and so forth to go after Haiti as well. Thank you for raising that and, and, and interjecting that context. I do think that that's very important some of which I did not know. So I appreciate that. You said you would, you said you would uh, talk about it later, but I mean, do you want to talk about it now? Yeah, so I don't know if everybody, you, you don't, when Aristide, when the coup d'etat first happened against Aristide, the first coup d'etat between 1991 and 1994. So he's only served, he served nine months and then it was a coup d'etat. And then Clinton brought him back into 1994 and told him he could not, complete, he just had to serve the last nine months, right? But between 1991, he was in exile in the US. There was all this campaign by the CIA and you can look it up. It was like, Aristide is unstable, mentally unstable. Psychologists say there's something wrong with him. You know, he's having violent thoughts. He's this crazy guy. So there's all this narrative around him being this un in, uh, unstable guy that has mental issues. And at the same time, there's all this uh, uh, conversation about he's the one that's that's behind gangs. He's funding gangs, and he even though he's you know in exile in the U.S., he's behind the rise of violence when that wasn't the case. And so you have the Miami Herald, the New York Times, and 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 the and, and Haitian um, newspapers owned by the Haitian oligarchy really all publishing these stories from 1991 to 1994 in concert with one another, creating this narrative around Aristide, so much so that by the time we get to 2004, when um, 2001, when he runs for office, and we still, you know, still wins more than 60% of the vote, you have a group of Haitian, Haitian um, scholars, including Raul, and, 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 and artists, including Raul Peck, who actively asked the U.S. to intervene and depose Aristide. So you have this, the, this class element, right? So you have you know, the US government creating this thing where we all thought Aristide was this corrupt person, but you also have within Haiti, the Haitian elite and these, and these people who are supposedly liberals really asking for US intervention. And I think we also have to think about the, the force of the propaganda wars against Haiti, against this one man, the, the propaganda wars that they didn't have against Duvalier. And, and we have to wonder why is it that the Haitian elite, the academics, at, you know, were working in concert with the CIA to really undermine this people's movement? Thank you. Um, yes, I do want to allow Onye to respond to the um, some other examples of humanitarianism, and then. Um, allow some other folk and then we can jump right back to you Jamima if that's good. Sounds good. Word, thank you. I actually did not, I'm like sitting here uh, in shock about Raul Peck, like in shock, but like not in shock because he's petty B, but like damn, wow. Um, but yeah, so what I was, I was, was thinking of was the specific examples of the Clinton Foundation and then the UN missions in Haiti, the occupations in Haiti, and like the vast amount of damage 
that was done by those so-called humanitarian efforts that was like kind of papered over by this narrative that Haiti is a charity case. And so even if people just cause like devastation and destruction, at least they have good intentions. So like the Clinton Foundation and the Clintons in general um, treated Haiti like their personal plantation, just like looted, looted that place, gave nothing back, opened it up um, to exploitative businesses, depressed wages, in the cases of Hillary Clinton, that's so like American corporations could better exploit African labor in Haiti. And then the same thing with the UN, there's like, you know, uh, uh, stories of like mass rapes of, of Africans in Haiti, of leaving children behind orphans, of uh, spreading cholera, admitting to doing so and never having to be accountable for that in any kind of way beyond like the, 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 the violence of the occupation itself. So it's just like, there's this like ongoing trend or tendency of imperialist powers and NGOs and charity organizations to just like loot Haiti um, and say they're helping um, and say that it's for Haiti's own good. Meanwhile, Haiti is not allowed to like breathe. Haiti is not allowed to self-determine um, by the same forces that are, yeah. So it's just, it's just very uh, frustrating. Um, if you want to respond, you can raise your hand and come up mute. If anybody else wants to uh, respond to other examples of humanitarianism, like I know that we we hear that often that you know the U.S. kind of uses their military force um, to bring on some well to impose humanitarianism, but I know it's not just secluded to Haiti. So do we know of any other places where that does happen or is currently happening? You mean where where they claim humanitarianism, but you know, there's other things going on? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there are examples all over the world. I would just use uh, Halliburton Corporation or Kellogg, Brown and Root um corporation which are essentially the same thing but they um every time there's a situation in the world whether it's the earthquake in haiti in 2010 or the recent earthquake there or the devastation in afghanistan um or the uh even the gulf coast uh post katrina um these corporations go in and they go in under the claim of doing humanitarian work and because of that they get a sole source bidding rights to do so-called cleanup. And this is when they're supposed to have to bid to get these contracts, but because they're going there under this guise of humanitarianism, they, they don't have to bid, they get sole source uh, ability to engage in this work. And like, you know, in Haiti and, and, and Afghanistan and all of these places, they're charging like the equivalent of 20 US dollars a square foot to clean up when the going rate on the international market is about $2 a square foot. So there's no, of course, there's no humanitarian work going on here. This is just naked, blanket, criminal gangster capitalism. Does anyone else want to respond or we can just uh, move on because I, I was thinking of something, or maybe it's an example, but I do want to know Jamima's thoughts on it. So if anybody else wants to respond, please do. All right, Jamima, I was, you had mentioned it earlier and you did mention um, that we can come back to it, but I think that all of this talk of, of ways that humanitarianism is implemented um, or even uh, the ways that that the the West imposes uh, that sort of paternalistic uh, relationship with Haiti, like knowing what's best for Haiti constantly. I do want to know where Brazil fits in all of this, especially um, given the situation at the border most recently. Sorry, I'm still trying to get the hang of this. Yes, so Brazil is really um, uh, key here because, um, you know, Brazil and, and, it, and those of us on the left, um, 
you know, Africans on the left in particular really have a, a nice relationship, uh, a, a relationship with Brazil and 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 think of Brazil um, in in important ways um, because of it. You know, it has the largest African population after Nigeria, and and it had it claimed the leftist politics up until you know Bolsonaro. So so, but Brazil um, was. <laughs> was the the major was the lead of the military occupation under the UN occupation in Haiti so you know uh, the leader Brazil was the leader of the military so the minister occupation the UN occupation of Haiti that started in 2004 had a civilian uh, uh, side and a military side and so the 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 civilian leadership was made up a team of three white men when it first started and and I have to tell you by the by the end of it the leadership was was made up of a black woman a black man as well right but the original three leadership um, three three the civilian leadership was led by the UN Secretary General um, and then um, three men from uh, Guatemala the U S and Canada. But the commander force, the military force, was led by the Brazilian Major General Luis Ramos Pereira, who was responsible for maintaining the mandate of enforcing "quote unquote" security in Haiti. So this is under Lula. This is in 2004 when Lula was president, and everyone says that the reason Brazil decided to participate in this and also take charge of the uh, of the occupation force was because it was vying for a, a seat on the UN Security Council. So it wanted to show that you know it would take over this peacekeeping occupation, so-called peacekeeping occupation in Haiti, to show that it can play a role in the security of the region. Um, and so for me, Haiti became Brazil's imperial ground zero because Haiti was the place from which they, um, Brazil tried its imperial policies um, in, 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 in the region. And it was really terrible because the UN force was really brutal, especially against Aristide supporters who were protesting. Um, you know, they, they killed a lot of people in one um, one neighborhood they went into, they you know one afternoon shoot you know shooting into this the poorest neighborhood um, in in Bel Air. They dispensed twenty six thousand bullets shooting at poor people, and that was that was the Brazilian wing, um, the Brazilian led military. So this really brings up all kinds of contradictions for us who are trying to fight against imperialism, where you have a supposedly leftist um, South American government take charge of an occupation. Of, of, of a country like Haiti. And this is on the back of Black Haitians. And a lot of these, um, you know, the, the, the Brazilian, I forgot his name, but he would go back and actually resign and, um, and write a book about how terrible Brazil's role was in Haiti. But, it, you know, the massacres that, that was under Brazil's reign in, in, in Haiti are, are terrible. And these same military force then would go back to the favelas in Brazil and 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 basically wreak havoc in uh for for African people there in Brazil. Thank you. So it's eight fourteen. So I do want to ask um, this one last thing, and then we can start to move to a close. But the conditions in Haiti, all that you've laid out, um, all that we've so far discussed about. Um, the history of interventions and humanitarianism and the role of the core group. Um, the online discussion, however, pushes back against this simply being a matter of anti-imperialism. Um, for many online, they see this only as the result of anti-Blackness. So are these conditions just simply that, or is Haiti or is what's happening to Haiti speaking to what's happening regionally? That's an important... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Sorry. No, I was going to say, this is a question for anyone, but you can go ahead and answer. Um, I can start, and I'd love to hear other people's opinions. But, you know, the thing is, the, the people who are only talking about anti-Blackness without talking about class and materialism is, they're a problem, right? Because the thing is, these things are linked together. You know, Haiti represents the destruction of white supremacy 
And, 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 and to think about that, we have to think about the political economy of emerging capitalism. You have to think about that together. So the, the formation of Haiti met the destruction of that economic system of slavery and accumulation. And, and we can link it to race, right? Because you know it was black people, black bodies that were the capital for the emerging capitalism. But you cannot understand anti-blackness without political economy. And we cannot exceptionalize um, um, uh, uh, it, what's happening in Haiti. You know, I think it's important to really talk about the specificities of what's happening to Haiti. But you know, part of the other reason why the U.S. been wanting Haiti since you know they've been wanting to take a, an island. You know, Mole sent Nicolas since the 1800s, 1868, when they sent Frederick Douglass to negotiate with the Haitian president to have Mole sent Nicolas, which is this island at the north part of Haiti, because they wanted to establish a, a, a naval base there, which is why, because they want to control the, the territory. Now they really want it because they want to go through the Panama Canal to get to, to China, which is why you ended up having Guantanamo Bay. Um, you know, using Cuba when Cuba was under dictatorship, taking that land from Cuba. But Haiti is very strategic, you know, for geopo geopolitics. So in addition to the, yes, there's anti-blackness and so on, but there's also, you know, you can't talk about imperialism without talking about political economy, the material conditions of, 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 of these things. And, and, and I think focusing primarily and only on anti-blackness is why it's so difficult for us to link what's happening to Haiti with what's happening to Nicaragua and Cuba and Venezuela and so on. Because if people really watch how the US completely dismantled the Haitian state from 2004 and even before to what's happening now, you can see the same things that are happening um, that are beginning or that they're trying in Venezuela, they're trying in Nicaragua, you know, like, you know, trying to dis discredit the presidency, discredit elections. All of, if we look at Haiti for what for what it means for imperialism, we'll see the connections that we need to see for the region and for the African continent. And and I think it, it, it's a really interest. It's a really important position to have to acknowledge that there's anti-blackness, but anti-blackness cannot be divorced from materials materialist uh, analysis, especially analysis around class and political economy. Anyone else is welcome to um, respond to that. But you mean, I do want to say that I do appreciate you raising not only, you know, just Haiti, but but pushing that this is all connected to Nicaragua and Colombia and Haiti and, and Cuba and, and even Guyana when we consider. Um, what Southcom is doing currently in that region, um, we cannot continue to just isolate um, these areas or these countries. So I do appreciate you raising raising that. Yes, definitely. And when we focus on anti-blackness as well, I, I think you know we can we we do what the racists are doing. We exceptionalizing Haiti as if it's this. You know, this, yes, it's an important thing, but we exceptionalize it as if it's so different, so distinct that we cannot compare what's happening to it with what's happening with other places. And I think we need to rem remind our people that, you know, over and over again. Yeah, how are we doing? Uh, I think that was Miss Pierre. Okay, yeah, this, okay. Is, this, is, this, this is Fatiha from, from the research library. And I understand... Uh, you know, when studying and studying the brother Toure, uh, and and watching his relationship, it's very little history that we know we don't really know, but we can only insinuate. But his history and, and interaction with the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, and you know how we shun that black man and his contributions for our freedom and for the freedom of black people on the planet. And you know, it's one thing to actually go and have a conversation with that brother, which Mr. Torre did, which says a lot, but it's something separate to actually join the organization. So that's the that's the parallel. But what I want to say, and I don't want to cause no controversy, but just so we understand, you know, Haiti, and it's not just Haiti, it's the Dominican Republic, they all doing bad, all of those islands. 
is who 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 is uh what would the brother say? <laughs> who is pulling the chain of capitalism the hardest where they're making progression? So uh if we understand that, but Haiti, I believe, is the tribe of Benjamin. And you know, just coming from the Bible, not Christianity, just what the what the black people saying in the Bible, uh it's not gonna get no better. And so I think I asked the brother last week, like, what's the problem with why we don't wake up? Now, I know we're talking about socialism. And I think it's just trying to find a way between, you know, can we get socialism out of the Bible? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to make it a Bible situation. But again, I just don't, you know, why do we keep missing the point that I think the brother Bookman was Muslim? He wasn't an Israelite, but, you know, Prophet Muhammad, I think, was an Israelite. So the brother Bookman was Muslim. And why don't we study history? If history tells us that if Haiti is the first black republic and it got initiated. Now, he, Bookman wasn't by himself and we don't really know the true history, but we can only let's, let us let, let us just insinuate if. Anytime we hear anything about Muslim in the history of what's going on with black people, and then we got liberated. So here you got a black man carrying around a book on an island that's enslaved, and then they the first black republic. So black people, we still don't add that up, and we just we just so ignorant, right? Okay, so then Allah say, well, look, here go a Muslim carrying around a book. That's the Quran. So then this black man right here talking about Christianity. He tried to go and do a deal after they already got free. Now he tried to go tried to go do a deal with the devil, and then what did the devil say? No, and he never seen no parts of whatever Haiti talking about. So then Jesus say, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in diverse places. Now they always have earthquakes in Japan, so that you know. But Japan is not dead, even though they like light brown. They're not black people like black people Africans. But here go an island. You never seen no earthquake go to Africa. You ain't never seen no, you know, a law forbid, but we ain't never seen no earthquake in Ghana. That's just something. So that's a diverse place. So to see a earth. So that's those are just those are just ignorant stoppers. You could be ignorant and we trying to get in. Ignorance trying to get in. So put the ignorant stopper at the door so it can't get in and you know those are things that that we should just look at to kind of focus on what we want to do because it's so it's so it's not sad it's depressing that you got black men and to just be abused with what's going on so i just wanted to say that in hearing the sister and you know just in hearing what she was speaking on to bring some clarification to what's going on. I want to thank you again for allowing me to speak. Salam alaikum. I don't know, somebody could follow up on that. I would appreciate it. Adama, do you have thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you said a you said an awful lot, um, but you know, and I, and I, maybe I missed because of that. But what I what I got is I think that um, you know, if we I agree with you, like we have to know our history, right? And African people have a very diverse history, and I, and I get it. Like if people are Muslims, to them that's the most important thing about our history. If people are Christians, that to them is the most important thing about our history. If people are Jews, that's the if people are, are uh, Verdun or Voodoo or Santeria, that's the most important thing about our history. Um, I choose to look at it like all of those elements represent African people. And in fact, in the All African People's Revolutionary Party, our analysis is that of Kwame Nkrumah. He talks about the three Africans, the traditional Africa, the uh, Islamic uh introduction into Africa and the Judeo-Christian introduction into Africa. And our argument is that historically, we're really all three of those, um, not to the same degree, 
but each and every one of us represents some element of all three of those. And so I would argue that our history is full of examples of people from all of those variations who have contributed to our struggle and our forward progress, not just one, not just not just Muslims, not just Christians, not just atheists, not just not just Jews, not just voodoo, all of those elements. And I can give you clear examples where all of those elements have contribute, contributed to our forward progress and all of them will continue to do so. So, you know, I agree with you. I think we, we need to study our history holistically and not just study it based on, you know, where we fall into it and how we believe, but study all of it. I'm, I'm not any of those religions, but I respect all of them because I know they all make a contribution to who we are and they all will play a role in how we advance as a people. All right, thank you. So it's 826 now. And before we wrap up, I do just want to raise, you know, we got all this information now. So what can we do with it? How can we um, assist in amplifying uh, the needs for Haiti? How can we assist in amplifying what's going on currently around elections? How can we assist people on the ground in the aftermath of the earthquake? Um, so, yeah. Well, I know for one, I can just say that uh, BlackLivesForPeace.com uh, has a Haiti, excuse me, has a page on Haiti um, that you can go to. You can read all the press releases. You can hear, uh, view some of the webinars around what's happening and get a lot more in-depth uh, information um, than what was provided tonight. Um, also, you know, if you unite with our principles of unity, you can also join Black Alliance for Peace and link up on the Hades Americas Committee because we can always use some assistance in that avenue. Ajamima, do you know of any other ways to tap in? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we need to have more of these kinds of conversations with our people and our organizations and our communities because I think one of the key things is this lack of um information um reliable information about what's happening in haiti haiti only makes the news especially here um is when there's a disaster right an assassination an earthquake a hurricane right and nothing else and so people don't know what's going on and i do think you know it's gathering our people and really having these kinds of conversations you know two three ten twelve people at a time um at the same time you know always really point to um, U.S. imperialism um, and and making demands, broad demands that the U.S. needs to get and the core group needs to get the hell out of Haiti, you know. <laughs> and so I think that's important. Um, those are the important things um, that we need to do is just keep amplifying the situation. And, you know, the AP, for example, the Associated Press just released a story about how gangs run Haiti as if everything about Haiti is just like there's something biologically wrong with Black people without with Africans, right? Without never, without ever mentioning any historical context. So these stories come out of there and our people read them and then start talking about black and black crime. And so I think, you know, our most important job right now is to really talk to one another and, and bring others into the fold so that we can really um, go against this on this propaganda, this onslaught of propaganda against this, this country and other countries in the region, you know, like what's happening in Nicaragua and Cuba right now um, by the US propaganda. Well, again, I would like to thank you, Jamima, uh, for joining us this evening. Um, this was, oh, you want to say something else? Oh, no, I was just going to say thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, no, I wanted to say thank you. I, I very much appreciate um, your work and scholarship in this area, your writing, um, your long-term writing on Black, Black Agenda Report around Haiti, um, and your organizing in this front. And it's now 8.30, folks, so we can, we can break out. <laughs> so, peace out. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thanks so much for having me.
Peace, y'all. That's a wrap for this week. But be sure to go check out the blog, hoodcommunist.org. We always got new articles on there every Thursday. Good shit, revolutionary shit. Go read that. Take that in. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at hoodcommunist. We got kicked off Twitter for telling the truth. But we still kicking, talking our shit on Instagram. So go follow us and stay up to date with what we got going on. And lastly, if you enjoy what you heard today, if you enjoy what you see on the blog, be sure to share this with your people. Be sure to share it with somebody who you think might appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Everything we do, we do it because we believe in the potential to transform society and we believe in revolution. So like I said, share that. And lastly, we always encourage our people to join organizations that are fighting for justice, that are fighting for liberation. If we could solve the problems in our society as individuals, we would have did that a long time ago. So yeah, take care of yourselves, man, and we'll see y'all next time. Peace.